girl. You're teaching me all the techie things. You're amazing. Okay. Now you have that skill. Now let me introduce you. Okay, let me introduce you. I'm really excited. Incredible. So I have award winning author, nutritionist, Canadian TV show host of the Healthy Gourmet, Julie Dunlock, on my podcast. I'm so humbled. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> I think you're an absolutely beautiful person. And when I got to see all of all that you're up to, I'm like, absolutely, I want to oh. absolutely forge your game. Yeah, it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, getting started, I wanted to know how long have you been a nutritionist? And if you could tell us a little bit about this, it seemed like your start came from a life-threatening food poisoning incident that happened and it just changed your life after. So tell us about that, Julie. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I've been a nutritionist for 19 years. So Mm. I've been a nutritionist in 1999. So I'm going on 20 years, actually. And what was uh, really interesting was having this life-threatening illness that happened shortly after I became a nutritionist in Thailand. And unfortunately, when you get really bad bloody dysentery from a microbe, that happened actually from shellfish that was in, like I had a pad thai with a, with a bad shellfish. A bad pad thai. And what ha- yeah, mm. exactly, right? And it just does a whole job on your gut the point where I had no electrolytes, I had such bad uh, dysentery, mm-hmm. that I lost the ability to even move. Like, I was temporarily paralyzed. I had to be carried to the nursing station oh, to save my life. Wow. And in that place, I couldn't believe how scared I was that they were administering intravenous antibiotics to try to fight off this horrible microbe. And I came home so weak and so sick that I had to lock it down and get a grip because the symptoms continued after I came home. It's called post-infectious colitis. Mm. We developed terrible inflammation as a result of having an infection. So thank goodness I started to follow a really strict anti-inflammatory menu, which I wrote into my first book, Meals That Heal Inflammation. Now, did this happen when you were a nutritionist or did this happen and then you became a nutritionist? Yeah. Yeah, I actually was a nutritionist, and that's why I knew to do a food journal, and I knew that I needed to do some nutritional research on how to heal myself. So I had that nutrition background, but I was just in my infancy of learning how to be a nutritionist. So I started to really write down everything that was inflammatory that I knew, like I used to love popcorn, I used to love, you know, deep fried foods, who doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew that those were the foods that were causing the most distension and pain in my gut, and that I had to let go of those, because there was a domino effect. Every time I ate them, I started to feel joint pain, I started to feel that that really horrible pain within my my bursitis, uh, within my hips. So I knew I had to let go of the junk, and it really took a lot of figuring out direct substitutions in the early days, because let's face it, we're driven by our cravings, and how do you substitute it out? Almost like methadone to a heroin addict. I needed totally. I needed oh that, yeah, like middle way mm-hmm. in order to have the direct pleasure to help me get over my addiction to sugar and flour oh. and fried food. Totally. And that's what really became my book was, let's give you tasty food so you don't feel like you're starving. You don't feel like you're on a diet. Because yeah. a diet is a food prison you can't wait to break out of. So I developed this thing called the Live It, which is really an evolving mm. menu that helps you choose what you love. And it's just focused on whole food and getting back to real food versus refined food and junk food. So 
so you were a nutritionist and then it's like your true calling kind of happened yeah. through something oh that gosh. was very traumatic and yeah. now you've literally taken that and you're healing people like my gut I had some scary issues as well and was dating somebody whose mom yeah. is African so everything was fried and I love I'm a sugaraholic I'm a carbaholic and it just being in my 30s it just threw me for a loop and and it's scary like when it hits you it's scary it catches up with you doesn't it it, it really it, does it's it totally does yeah. We, we can kind of say that we get away with that in our teens and our 20s because our vitality, our essence, our chi is so high naturally that we get those years for free. But past 30, you sort of are at this fork in the road where you can go down the health route or you can go down really having your chi disappear and you become diseased. Diseased right? for sure. Where you really have health problems come up. Yeah. So that's why at the crossroads, anyone who's listening, if they're at the crossroads, we have to really just choose health actively. And we do that by really embracing these delicious whole foods that can heal us head to toe. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I loved about your book and what you do is after a couple of weeks, I didn't feel deprived because... I was having okay. berries and I was having, you know, I made your biscotti. Thank God for your biscotti. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm like, Delicious. I just, I yeah. need carbs, you know, and even wow. incorporating some raw honey. It was like, I, it was orgasmic. So I, 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 at first I went weeks without anything unhealthy, like weeks. And that's, a, I cried, man. That's an emotional roller coaster. Like, you know, right? You're addicted. And all of a sudden it's like, you can't have this anymore. So thank thank God for you and thank God f- for your your book. I mean, I went desperately into a health food store and this girl from Ottawa named Lauren, who actually even said that she met you a few times and said you were fabulous. She's like, you know what, girl, this is probably what you're going through. Um, I recommend this hot detox book by Julie Dunlop. So I wrote it down in the health food store um, and I got started right away and it was just, it was like a blessing. And since reading your book and incorporating your teachings, um, I started taking a course online about the microbiome. I, I'm down like 20 oh, pounds wonderful. and I was like Amazing. healthy and curvy, but now I look fantastic. Most people say, oh, you look fantastic. Like I'm very healthy and I love it. I love what you've done. Thank you so much. The world thanks well, you. Thank you. <laughs> So great to hear that you. Um, so many people wait to feel like they're an expert and that they can teach. But all a teacher is is someone who is just a little bit further down on the journey mm-hmm. and can immediately be a contribution. So I love the fact that you have jumped in and like help people sort out their microbiome. Like congratulations for just being. Um, bold, brazen, and a contribution right away, because that's what the world needs, man. We all need to, to feel like, what is our dharma? To How can we be a contribution to other people's lives? Because it fills us with great, authentic joy. That's Dalai totally. Lama's principle, is really happiness stems from reflection and being a contribution, and you're doing that in space. 
Thank, thank goodness. Oh, thank you. Well, we don't, like, when I first went to a doctor, because I was freaking out, right? Like, I couldn't eat. I couldn't hold things down. I was having what felt like, you know, a volcanic eruption in my stomach, and I went to the first doctor, and, and you know, he was, it was a quick in and out, and yet less carbs, less sugar, here's medication. And, you know, you feel lost, and the medication was reflux medication and gas suppression, and that's that's a yeah. no-no, right? Because I, I did the research after. And so three days in of the medication, I still felt terrible. And I thought, I'm going to do this naturally. I can do this naturally. Yeah. I find it so interesting, the idea of gas suppression. Right? Who wants, because, to, that's because, how, yeah. who wants to do that? It feels well, good to fart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is, why don't we actually deal with why you're farting in the first place? Yeah. Because everyone has a little bit of gas. Yeah. But it often comes out in your sleep, and it often is a very small amount. Where, I mean, all gas is is fermentation in your gut. If you're having massive amounts of gas, it's often because you're intolerant to a food that you eat, so you can't put it down. So, for example, lactose causes so many people massive amounts of gas mm-hmm. because they don't have the enzyme lactase to break the lactose into galactose and glucose. So if you have that intolerance, meaning you don't have the enzyme it takes to split a food apart, it's going to be left there undigested for your other bacteria to go crazy on. And once they have a hold of it, they're going to eat it. And the microbes in your gut will create methane, which is the gas, and alcohol, which will make you high. And that's why when we eat foods we're allergic to and not able to metabolize if we're intolerant to them, we end up having gas and brain fog as a result. Because our microbes are going completely berserk. So I think that's a big thing for people to keep in mind is let's go back and look why you have the gas. Do you have small intestinal bacteria overgrowth? Do you have a yeast overgrowth? That's what I had. Yeah, the small intestine. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, then we know, oh, if we go upstream to the problem and get to the root of it, then we won't need medications to solve it. Now, I'm not saying for people on proton pump inhibitors to just go off medication. They're very addictive. They're very habit-forming. They're very difficult to just go off of. But we can slowly break up with those medications Mm -hmm. through um, having monitoring by your naturopath or your functional medicine doctor to to just ease off them as we resolve the underlying Mm -hmm. problem. You won't need the meds because you fixed the the problem upstream. Absolutely. Now, question for you, Julia. People who aren't lactose intolerant and do and can tolerate cheese and milk like from the sounds of cheese and milk nowadays like full of antibiotics um typically causing inflammation how do you feel about dairy being consumed by someone who is not lactose intolerant well i will say that um one thing i find really hilarious is how many people think that they can eat dairy but they have the genetics that that doesn't really allow good dairy digestion so let's look at asia a massive, like more than 50% of Asians do not tolerate breaking down dairy. Mm-hmm. Or if you're from the African continent, then Africans, because it was never in their menu, they run out of lactase much sooner because once they're finished digesting breast milk, by the age of five, most of them have a lactase. In, um, they're missing lactase. Mm-hmm. They, they have a lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. So that's a big piece is really look to your genes. If you're from the Nordic, like if you're lucky enough to be true Vikings 
and you're from like the Nordic countries, that's probably the best possibility that you do break dairy down well into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of those lucky, lucky people, and you also are eating raw cheese that is not highly processed and pasteurized, Mm -hmm. and then on top of that, you have the microbes breaking it down because it's 10 years old, and you you actually tolerate testing like my husband. He was genetically tested. He's lucky enough to have those Nordic genes. He also has amazing digestion already and doesn't have SIBO or candida. He tolerates organic raw cheeses incredibly well, so why not have it be part of his natural diet? But I think if it's organic, so we get away from the bovine growth hormone issue and the genetically modified feed issue, mm-hmm. and then we also make sure that it, the beauty of cheeses is that the bacteria break down the lactose for you, so it's incredibly easy. So the problem with raw milk is it's, it's a bit of um, Russian roulette whether there's, in fact, um, a bad microbe in raw milk. You have to know the farmer, be part of a co-op, really understand that it's safe to drink. Where raw cheeses are, I think, the healthiest way to consume dairy because you can age it and have the preservatives of the good bacteria really making sure that we've pre-digested it for you. So that's where um, I think most people should be going. And also rotating the type of animal because goats and sheep are the closest to mm-hmm. human breast milk. Mm-hmm. We're eating um, cows. Cows really, let's face it, their mothers are giving them milk that's supposed to turn them from a baby calf into a 700 to 1,000 pound creature yeah. within one year. Yeah, yeah. Why would we have their milk? Like, it's so darn hard <laughs> to digest and totally has different, different nutrition than sheep milk, which is extremely close to human milk. That's why sheep cheeses um, really well fermented are amazing if you tolerate dairy. Okay, that is really good to know. Thank I, you for asking that question. Yeah, no, you're most welcome. I tried kefir, and I I think it caused some issues. And it's cute because I, t- you know, talk to people, and they're like, well, it's fermented dairy. Like, duh. It's like, well, you know, you got to try different things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for me, that didn't work. Yeah, um, and I also heard that it's good to even take a break from dairy for a couple of weeks. Actually, maybe this was in your, your book. Um, where when you take the break and then you reintroduce it, you might be having issues, but you're so used to them that you might even not know that they're there, you know, and then you, when you reintroduce it back, it might be like, Ooh, stomach, stomach cramp. And you're, then, you know, right. Yes. I love the idea of the hot detox because it really is an experiment in the elimination. Mm -hmm. When we get rid of it and put it back. It's just like anything. When you go without it for a little while and then you reintroduce it, you've got a real strong barometer if it's a good food for you. Mm-hmm. But if you eat it all the time, your body gets used to a new normal. And you might think that your dark circles or your stomach ache or your bloating is a part of your regular reality when, in fact, it could be just an intolerance that you're unaware of. So it's so important for us to get a grip on that. For so sure. cool. So profound, Julie. Thank you. I love it. Thank now, you. Oh, good. another thing, okay, here's a big question that I have because a part of healing my gut, uh, I did so many research, research into grains. I used to be grain, just everything grain. People say low, low carb. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, but I, I didn't realize that I was going over grainy. Like it's like f- vegetables are carbs and they're fantastic. Nutrition, nutritious carbs. 
but when it comes to grains and seeds, I get a little confused. So I, I cut down on, I cut out rice um, because I was researching about the phytic acid and reading your book. Um, but I'm confused as to quinoa. So rice is a seed, but rice can cause issues with your your glucose and it contains phytic acid. Correct me if I'm wrong, that is indigestible. Then how come quinoa is better? Well, I will start by saying that some people are intolerant to quinoa and that I keep evolving my conversation. And that's why the Hot Detox book really doesn't have, um, the only quinoa is actually rolled quinoa inside the Hot Detox bread. But I have not um, used quinoa left, right, and center the way I did in my early books. The reason why I feel quinoa is a better solution than rice is because it's actually um, a very easy uh, seed to sprout, and it doesn't have as much of an indigestible element to it as regular grains. So grass grains are the hardest to digest. Mm. But as we get into more broadleaf plants, like a really great example is amaranth. It's a super broadleaf plant. Or rhubarb is another broadleaf plant, and buckwheat is the relative of rhubarb. With those broadleaf plants, it seems like those seeds are easier to digest, and that's why with a quick sprout, you don't even need to cook them. So that's why they're called pseudo-grains, because pseudo-grains are grains that are actually seeds that should be cooked, but that have a much smaller husk and an easier way to break them down. So they're sort of on the border, like grass grains, super hard, then the than the seed grains, the pseudo-grains that are seeds, like the teff, amaranth, and quinoa, those ones are sort of borderline that some people digest, but if you have really bad SIBO or you have a really tough time breaking down disaccharides, which are all grains and all legumes, mm-hmm. you may need to give those a break for a little while and then try to reintroduce them way down the road, spreaded, of course, because spreading will help to eliminate the phytic acid. So that's a big piece, right? And some people are starting to bring up this lectin issue. And I'm sure you've heard, you know, the plant paradox. What I find funny about lectins is lectins are everywhere in the plant kingdom. He always harps on, here's the safe list and here's the bad list. Well, it's a a hilarious list because he, like, hates cheese seeds but, like, loves flax seeds. And I'm like, what? Are you crazy? They're both high lectin. Or, say, uh, the avocado, crazy high lectin. Or pomegranates. He loves pomegranates. Crazy high lectins again. So I think it's really humorous that we don't necessarily, um, we don't have to worry about necessarily every lectin. It's not every lectin is bad. And even if his own left is, it's fraught with inconsistencies. But we do need to kind of look like how well does that food uh, digest in my body? Mm-hmm. And that's the sliding scale. And it can also change. Like I couldn't tolerate almonds for the longest time. But now that I've healed my gut, I'm back to being able to tolerate almonds as long as they're cooked. So mm, can I tolerate it well cooked, like in a pressure cooker? Can mm-hmm. I, I can handle lentils in a pressure cooker, no gas, no distension, no bloating. But if I was to eat them just mildly cooked and a little bit hard in the center, like al dente, boom, a real major problem for, blast, for gas and bloating and all the digestive headaches. So what you're saying is, and I love, I actually love this, is that nutrition is so individualistic. You know, one size doesn't fit everybody. You know, I love that. Got it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I really meant to say that, that there's 7 billion diets for 7 billion people. There's not one way of eating. And if we can 
let go of the paradigm that it has to be one way. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I have a really hard time whenever I see someone put their name on a diet, like the Adkins diet. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. How can you have, like, one person dictate the diet for 7 billion people? We have to adapt it to your genetics. We have to adapt it to your personal health issues. Like, for example, I don't, I have, I have a bit of mild adrenal exhaustion because I'm on camera all the time. I don't do well with with a full ketogenic diet because my blood pressure drops through the floor. Oh, right. So I need to adapt it, right, to not be fully fat-fueled, but to have quite a few carbs rotated in mm-hmm. so that I can keep my blood pressure completely normal and feel good. Yeah, and not yeah. get dizzy. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Exactly, right? Yeah. Now, now I, I thought of another question when we were talking about, when you're talking about cooking and sprouting. Now, sprouting, sprouting something like quinoa, is soaking uh, is soaking appropriate or does it actually have to be a process where you, you know, you actually sprout it? Well, the longer you soak it, the more it is sprouted. So really, okay. all that all that sprouted is is a one hell of a long soak. <laughs> if you want to start the true sprouting process where it starts to sprout a little pale, yeah. then we should stop drowning it because after eight to twelve hours, the seed starts to drown. So okay. by draining it off but keeping it moist, we give it a chance to really sprout a tail. And when it has sprouted three, four, five days. That's when it's extremely low in phytic acid and incredibly easy to digest. And then, and the and what's so funny is at the very early stages of sprouting is when we have this insane explosion of phytonutrients. So let's take, uh, for example, the isothiocyanates inside broccoli sprouts. Okay. So broccoli seed might be really nutritious, but once we sprout it to five days, it has like 20 times the nutrition of mature broccoli. So it's so cool that we have this super, super, super condensed food that is so at its peak of giving us health. So if we can capture it at that stage, we'll have amazing, amazing health. But you just have to be mindful when you are spreading. Use some peroxide in your rinse water Mm. if you want to keep the mold down. Because, of course, you know, having a small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, that we don't want to introduce any mold or Absolutely. any negative bacteria when we're trying to have that health. Oh, Julie, maybe in the future you can do a book on sprouting. I, I was going to sprout. <laughs> I was going to sprout and I started sprouting and then I, I stopped myself. I went, you know what, girl, you don't have enough enough information about this. If you eat that and it's got mold or a bad bacteria. So I, I stopped and, I, and I'm going to wait until somebody educates me properly on it. So that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do have a good handout on, on spreading and I should put it um, out into the world and not just have it available for my clients. So thank you for that suggestion. Yeah. And I will say, um, just peroxide in your rinse water, or if you're scared, that's why we go to the pros. Like, I buy probably two containers of broccoli sprouts from my local health food store, making sure to buy it the second it comes in. Like, I call them, and I'm like, when's your shipment of broccoli sprouts coming in so that I can get to it super, super fresh? And these guys grow it professionally, and I know they're using that peroxide because it extends the life of your sprouts because you're killing off the microbes before they start. So it's going to make sure so that your your product cool. is fantastic, right? And yeah. envisioning you as beautiful as you are, like running into the grocery store with your beautiful outfits and being like, where's the fresh broccoli? <laughs> this is Julie. <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. Aww, that's great. Thank you, Sudi. Um, so good. 
something else I wanted to chat with you about, and I heard this on a, a podcast this week, and you mentioned it in your book, and I think it needs to be clarified, because detox, 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 that's been going around for the past, I don't know, five years, and now people are being like, there's no such thing as a detox, your body does all the work, and and I mean, doing something like the hot detox is, it seems what it does is it supports your body to detox itself. Nothing is going to, you know, do the job for you, but you supporting your body with nutrients in order for your body to do its detoxification the best it can. Is that correct? It is correct, sweetheart. I'm so glad that we're talking about this because doctors will say over and over again, your body detoxifies itself. And that was fine even 200 years ago. But we've been on the planet for 200,000 years, but we now have 85,000 man-made chemicals that never existed before this this last century. Wow, 85,000. So between, between 2015, sorry, 1919, say, to 2019, in that last 100 years, we've decided to create 80,000 chemicals that never existed before. Wow. And that's why we need to accelerate cleansing. That's why Absolutely. We have to focus on cleansing. Mm-hmm. Because we've got to give our liver a heads up and an ability to get rid of these toxins. Or how do we go into our senior years with more mercury, with more lead, more cadmium, more, more aluminum than we ever, ever were meant to have naturally? If we roam this planet, we would never come across these heavy metals naturally. Mm-hmm. But now they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's so much pollution. There's so many PCBs. There's so much parabens there's so many negative things that we decided to put into the world in these crazy high amounts that we have to give our liver the ability to break them down and let's just look at our standard way of living the amount of caffeine you drink the amount of alcohol you drink Mm -hmm. speeds up phase one in your liver and poor phase two in your liver doesn't have a hope in hell of keeping up because you might be nutrient deficient in all your B vitamins, your vitamin C, your omega-3, your minerals like magnesium and zinc. So how can you make your liver work well if you're speeding up the first part of your liver, the phase one, with caffeine and alcohol? So that means 99.9% of the planet who drink their espresso every morning and go off and have a drink at the end of the night, they themselves have over-tweaked their liver and not supported themselves with the nutrition they need to, to purge their liver. And therefore, they're totally behind the eight ball of getting rid of the toxins that they have every single day. That's why I always, I'd love to take on these doctors in a medical, like, backed up, scientific debate. I want to sit with them and say, how does your liver get rid of these things? Because they've had four hours of nutrition training on average, and yet they're spouting off what they think they know because the body is equipped with detox pathways, mm-hmm. but they don't know what is missing from human nutrition because they haven't studied it, and they don't even know what the phase, it's, it's like the 450 enzyme system at the beginning of phase one, did they study that in great length? Like, did they? I doubt it. <laughs> they, they make this grand sweeping statement, your body does it yourself. It's like it's like jogging. It's like jogging and and drinking a beer. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're you're trying to help yourself. Yeah. Oh, Julie has this. uh, Julie has this awesome diagram. Well, great great diagrams in her book. Shocking, but 
cartoonistic, but shocking. And it's a conveyor belt. And her phase one is, you know, the toxins moving through. And um, remind me, phase... So, I don't want to screw this up, but you have different phases where your liver detoxes. So, like, I like that you said, you know, if you have a coffee in the morning and a drink in the evening, which I had yesterday, you're speeding up phase one. So, things get like a traffic jam of toxins in your liver. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You cannot possibly detoxify your your phase two if you're speeding up phase one and not supporting yourself with a lot of nutrition now i'm not gonna say i never have caffeine caffeine is actually an amazing alkaloid that speeds up your brain and helps you type faster and keeps your moods high so i'm not saying caffeine is bad i'm just saying having too much caffeine totally. without the nutrition you need to back it up oh can yeah be problematic Absolutely. So I'm saying, hey, if you want to have the fun, let's give yourself the support you need to make that fun A-OK. Absolutely. To, to level the playing field, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm always like, hey, if you want to have, for example, just by having some turmeric in your, in your breakfast eggs, just sprinkling some curry into your eggs in the morning will help counterbalance the caffeine that you had for, with your morning meal. Because the, the turmeric slows down phase one, and the coffee speeds up phase one. So just that simple little life hack of adding curry powder to your eggs can actually help balance out your choices. So that's all I want people to know, is you can have all the fun, but give yourself the the biohacks to make that fun really extend your health instead of slowing you down. Oh, Julie, that's incredible. That is incredible. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, one more question I have for you. Actually, I've got a couple more. But another important question that I have for you is when I did, um, you know, I, I read your book. I spoke to my healer. I went to my, my doctor. I looked at a lot of different things um, with my gut health and gut healing. And I did have a, have a doctor say he basically he shit on probiotics. And I wanted to get your opinion. You know, he said, oh, they haven't really been tested enough to really, you know, to prove that they do anything. Um, how do you feel about people taking things like probiotics, digestive enzymes to help them support their digestion? I think that people um, would be really benefited if they've had antibiotics, if they have digestive issues, to use some probiotics mm-hmm. wisely. The only thing I have with a lot of probiotics is they are filled with fillers and they are often, um, they add strange prebiotics. For example, for someone like yourself, you, you may have noticed how horrible your gas became when you added something like fructooligosaccharides or FOS for short, mm-hmm. or another ingredient called inulin, which is packed full of FOS. So we want to make sure that we look for strains of bacteria that don't have all these additives that might cause your symptoms to go up. Um, another one that really is worrisome for me is how many of these probiotics have dairy, wheat, sugar added to them as a filler to give the bacteria something to live on in transit. Mm. So we have to be super careful with the strain that we choose, the brand that we choose, and that's why I'm a big fan of using um, the the Nature's Way Primadophilus Optima is my personal favorite because it's free of allergens, it's free of FOS, and it's seven human strains that we know will be a contribution 
to your small intestine and large intestine. Can you repeat just that? shooting in the dark. Can you repeat that? Nature's yeah, so way, Primadopolis. Primadopolis Optima. Okay. And the digestive balance formula is very beneficial, especially if you have IBS. I've had a lot of clients with IBS that have been helped because it helps to normalize your stool and increase the amount that you eliminate. I'm going to put that um, in the show notes. Load. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. I love that. So a good, good links for people to go look at it would be great. Okay. Primadopolis Optima. Digestive balance is an orange box. It's okay. really lovely. Okay. Yeah. And what about digestive enzymes, love? How do you feel about that? Well, digestive enzymes are really good crutch that we need yeah, to help us get over an intolerance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you're in the beginning of your healing process and you can't digest anything mm-hmm. and your bowels are just like super loose or super constipated, these enzymes work as scissors to break your food down into tiny little bits so they're easier for you, almost like we put our we put food in a blender for a baby. Mm-hmm. When you're injured, it's like you are a baby again and we need to go back to curing food. That's why I created the hot detox because everything's yeah. blended and soothing and soft. Mm-hmm. So the enzymes work that way to sort of help you digest this food into the smallest little pieces to reduce the allergic reactions, to reduce the intolerances. But as you heal, I want people to know that you will no longer need those enzymes. And you'll know because you'll start yeah. to forget to take them. Yeah. You know, in the early days when I was a wreck, I lived on enzymes because mm. I needed everything digested for me. Me too. But now that my gut is so happy, yeah. like using traditional Chinese medicine and using a lot of teas and herbs to heal my gut, now all I need to do is make sure I have some bitters and some good yeah. herbs in my food. And boom, I'm digesting it so well. Enzymes are a thing in the past. They're, they're yeah. something that's a crutch I can let go of. And now I'm just digesting my food. And my gut is so happy. I mean, every day I run out of the bathroom and scream, four, because that's right? the <laughs> juice chart, that you're perfect, you know? I'm so happy. Like a golfer. I know. Like, I totally know what you mean. Woo! Like, <laughs> I don't need to hear about your poop. You're like, but it was such a healthy poop. Like, <laughs> oh, I know. Someone yeah. who's ill, when you're well, you can't help to brag about it. Totally. <laughs> the yep. only people out there listening to your podcast that understand what it's like to have you feel right again yep. is so, it's so exciting. Yeah, sure. when I'm, when my poop went back to normal and I, you know, I looked at your poop chart and everything, I literally texted my mom and my sister and I was like, guys, guess what? And they were like, oh my God, Kristen. But we know that feels amazing. Like, right? <laughs> it was normal. Yeah. I'm healed. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, I that's know. It's awesome. So, so wonderful, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. Um, now, amazing. It is. It is amazing. And being in my 30s and, you know, learning that you're not invincible anymore, it's it's an incredible process. But it's exciting. It's exciting to lose lose the weight. Like, I did not lose weight to get skinny. and And that's something being in the fitness world, it's like – I want to be skinny. I want to be skinny. I want to lose weight. And when you're like, actually, I want to heal my body. And then the weight just falls off. You're like, oh, oh, wow. This is nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Because we all have a kind of a natural set point. Mm. And what's trippy is now that I'm in my 40s, my body knows when it's really comfortable. I can't push it into this artificial six-pack abs without my body going, yo, girl, you don't got all mental balance at that point, right? Yeah. And so you do create this really nice sweet spot where you you really shouldn't have much more than a five-pound swing where your mm-hmm. body's like, 
hey, I feel good here. I have great hormones. I don't have hot flashes. I don't have irritability. Um, I feel comfortable in my skin. Mm -hmm. So I just want everyone to know that that is possible for them. And we we don't have to look like supermodels. We just have to get to a place where we feel that confidence and that joy of being authentically who we know we should be. Absolutely. Um, that is just so so joyous. That's oh. where it is. Like when we get into this comparison and when we get into an unrealistic mindset, there's always a hunger, like a hungry ghost behind it. But when we get to this place of authenticity where we feel confident and we feel good in our own skin, that's when we're like, ah, this is this is really the weight that I'm meant to be. That's beautiful. And it's not really on the scale. It's it's a mental thing where you Absolutely. feel. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Right. You know it. You feel it. Yeah. yeah you Great. see it. You know yeah, it. Totally. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, Julie, how do you feel about tofu? I'm hearing that tofu is terrible for you. Um, I think that that is a really interesting question, and it comes down to the fact that I actually studied macrobiotics in the early days, and the way that tofu is supposed to be made is fermented. The way it's made in modern times is it's actually made with a calcium product that quickly gels the soybean milk into slabs of tofu mm. without proper fermentation. Mm-hmm. So it's just like anything else. When we when we when we take it from how it's traditionally supposed to be done and we rapidly speed it up into a highly refined substance. That's where it goes wrong. Mm. So is is the soybean certified organic? Have we done tra- traditional fermentation methods like making really good tempeh, for example, or mm-hmm. making really good tamari, which is highly fermented soybean liquid that's been aged for three or four freaking years. Wow. Miso, for example, where it's been, it's been aged and aged and aged till we've knocked out the phytic acid. And what's left is the essence of the nutrition of that product Mm. then it could be a contribution to our lives but standard tofu is a digestive nightmare it's going to cause a lot of bloating distension discomfort because Mm -hmm. soya beans take hours and hours to break down and a lot of people just don't have the gut strength for it so if you're raised with a 100 percent macrobiotic menu and you're being raised in okinawa japan and it's fermented tempeh or tempeh or tofu Congratulations, you're going to have a great time. It's going to taste delicious and it's going to be a contribution to your life. But if it's being made in the standard Canadian method and it's, it's just standard soybeans, talk about a hormonal nightmare, a digestive nightmare. Mm. So I really think, like anything, are we are we going back to the diet of our ancestors and seeing it yeah. in the way it's meant to be respected? Mm-hmm. That's what we're Yeah. Beautiful again. Uh, okay, my last question, and this is kind of a coach question, um, because sometimes when people come to us or come to you or come to me and they say, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds, and sometimes when you're getting into people's diets, and I get it, it's like they get super, they just want to build a coat of armor, I don't want to get rid of this, and I don't want to, you know, changing people's diets is, is almost a psychological and emotional battlefield do you do you hear me do you know what I mean yes, yes it is. How, a lot of people feel confronted by it yeah 
and I do too. Like I've cried a lot of times when I've had to change my diet and I say cry because I'm at, you know, I'm at a restaurant and everyone's ordering around me and, and I'm getting eggs and spinach. You know, it's, it's a, it's a real emotional roller coaster. but how do you approach your clients and approach people? Cause you're such a loving, caring person in, you know, a warm way to be like, we're going to make some changes, you know, with a big smile on your face so they don't run away. <laughs> I just really feel that people need to um, have it be an, an organic experience instead of locking themselves in food prison mm-hmm. where they have so few options. Mm-hmm. How I really say is before we go into taking things out, can we put 10 things in so that we're so full, we're so satisfied that the shift is organic? Because I find that that forced outcome backfires and I've had it a million times where I see people run to Sugar Mountain and have a gazillion candies because they're about to go on a diet or a cleanse Mm -hmm. so really finding those natural fun things will help the transition and the social piece is a minefield no question Mm -hmm. but again if we're going in and we make calls to the restaurant that's one of the big ways that I've survived really social situations is that I made up a, a, a card that explains how serious my allergies are. And if you're just starting out, you may not know how serious your allergies are, but trust me, you want to try it on. Mm-hmm. And I write out the things that I'm trying to avoid. And I make a call to the restaurant and I say, listen, I really have to avoid these things. Can we make up something exciting? Because similar to a wedding menu, they will, with enough advanced warning create something really great for you mm-hmm. and you will often have a meal that everyone else is jealous of at the table that's our that's our our ultimate success is if we can make just a little bit of an effort ahead of time then when we arrive we're not stuck eating spinach and eggs mm-hmm. we're often having a really fun uh choice where you know they're they're adapting their they're special and they're just changing one or two ingredients to make it really work for you mm-hmm. and I can't believe how exciting those foods are and if you have any control whatsoever if you can put in like say you, your friends make a date and you say hey can I pick the restaurant and you just type into google search field table restaurant organic search terms like paleo all of a sudden you're going to see a couple restaurants pop up in every single city and even small cities mm-hmm. I'm able to eat out Mm-hmm. Because every single city is going to have at least one bar, one uh, pub, one one cool spot where the chef cares and he wants to use farm-to-table ingredients. He wants to use awesome um, free-range meat. Mm-hmm. He wants to have good choices. And he takes pride in making the sauces himself. Because let's face it, even if you can't have an elaborate sauce, having some really delicious lemon juice with a high-quality olive oil mm. makes food sing. Oh, for it's gonna sure. It's going to taste Greek or Italian, right? Yeah. So that's how I get around it. I eat out constantly out of necessity between my travels, my friends, my family. I'm always eating out. But I'm adapting the menu, and I'm getting ahead of it so that I don't feel like a victim of my circumstances. I'm still creating my reality wherever I go. a girl. I love it. So, Julie, I just want people to feel they can do it too. I love it, Julie. Um, Honestly, um, when it comes to people who might be listening to this and 
they want to maybe find your book. I know that you started recently, and I want to jump on board with this actually this year. You started um, a detox group coaching, hot detox group is coaching, is that correct? Something like that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Where we can have people a hot find detox you? Group. Yeah. Yeah, so on Facebook, uh, definitely look up my name, Julie Danlock, and Hot Detox, and our group will pop up. Also, by just going to hotdetox.com. I, I made sure to buy that that amazing, easy-to-remember uh, website so that everyone can find me. Because Julie Danlock, of course, everyone's like, does that have a C in it? Like, you know, it's a Ukrainian name. So now just hotdetox.com will, will take you to a website that can show you where to find me on Instagram and Twitter. And I love Facebook. And we really convene there. And I do a lot of Facebook Live that mm. you want to subscribe to. And we have amazing programs that are anywhere between 21 days and 100 days to hold your hand through the process of, of really becoming a food detective and figuring out what food works for you uh, to truly heal head to toe. Incredible. I'm actually going to go on Facebook because I'm not subscribed to your Facebook. How is this possible? Yeah, that's <laughs> great. And then you can do a link in your, in your notes because I know how awesome yeah. your uh, podcast is and how you're going to research for everyone. Thank Absolutely. You so thank you so much, Julie. And thank you for the tech info Yay. at the start. Um, oh, I love it. My pleasure. Do you have anything Yay. new coming up this year? I mean, you've already been doing so much, but what's your plan for the rest of 2019? I'm actually in the works of uh, creating a brand new program called the Meals to Heal one-on-one program where um, it's a, it's a new like, per, where do you start? I get asked that all the time. So I just wanted to put my thoughts into a really simple program that'll be very affordable just to hold your hand through the beginning stages of your health journey. Um, so we're going to be filming that all summer long so people can look, look for that by just subscribing to my mailing list. And I send out a loving, a love note with a, with a really cool health tip every single Tuesday. Yes, so all you, you do, do is, again, find me on my website and subscribe to my newsletter, and I'll let you know when my new program is. Yeah, her newsletter is great. I actually, I'm subscribed to that, and I uh-huh. love it. Really positive stuff. Aw, uh, Really awesome. positive stuff. So okay, Julie. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a beautiful day, and thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully, we can be in touch soon and have you on the podcast again. I would love that. Thank you so much for this amazing hour and for asking such great questions. They're really unique. Okay, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. You're doing a great <laughs> okay. job. Keep in touch, girl. <laughs> thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye.